Hello and welcome to the Alcala Podcast. The podcast says we'll be there in 30 minutes or your listen is free. I'm EJ. I'm Beth. And how are you? So much better now. So much better. It's good to be back on a closer to a tight schedule. Uh, hopefully we'll be back up to posting things on time. We had some internet trouble with our last cast and we're day late recording this one because of stuff. Life happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm blaming it on Ridley Scott. <laughs> we watched an alien movie, so... We did. <laughs> we did. Well, it's my turn to start this week. It is? Yes. Oh my gosh. So, I decided we should talk about what we're going to do this weekend. What are we going to do this weekend? We're going camping. Oh. Oh, oh, pitch in a tent. Ha ha ha, we don't sleep in no silly tent. No tent for us. We have upgraded. And upgraded again. And we are riding high. In an RV. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know how to respond to that. She just looked at me like, that's right, she made that face. Okay, sorry Beth. Um, did you know that recreational camping was first made popular in the United Kingdom by people pleasure boating on the River Thames? No, but I know that not recreational camping has been going a long, long, <laughs> long time. It has. Um, by the 1880s, people realized that how heavy early camping equipment was, that it was just easier to transport it with using the boats along the River Thames. Thames. So they'd stop and unload their boat and camp there and then continue on down the river while they were pleasure cruising. Nice. Um, well, some people prefer the theory, though, that camping was started by Thomas Hiram Holding. He was a British traveling tailor. Um, he was the one who came up with the idea of modern camping, according to some. Thomas was the one who popularized a different type of camping, though, in the early 20th century. Um, he embarked with a couple of his friends on a cycling-slash-camping tour of Ireland, and he used his experiences with us to write a book titled Cycle on Camp in Connemara. Um, it's thanks to this book that the Association of Cycle Campers formed in 1901, and this group did eventually change their name to Camping and Caravanning Club. Huh. Um, it was in 1908 that Holding decided to write the book The Camper's Handbook to share his love of camping with others. Oh, I love camping. We should get a copy of that. That'd be fun to read. Something that that's, that's that old. That would be neat. I've never seen it before. You might have to get on Amazon and check that out. Oh no, not Amazon. They give you tips about using your phosphorus matches. <laughs> well, I'm sure something. Like, make sure to uh, use a lot of whale oil on your gear so it stays waterproof. We'll have to get the book I, and I check know. it out. I don't know. I'd be. I imagine that the waterproofing techniques and you know little things like that, kind of fun. Because I've got some other, like, survival guidebooks and stuff that tell you different ways to... Yeah, and your survival guidebooks are kind of fun to look through. They are, because, well, like that, that one, that dangerous book for boys. 
that one's an awful lot of fun to look at because they've got all sorts of neat camping stuff where you can set up your own campsite and like make an oven and all sorts of stuff with just an earth mount. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I now want to discuss the different types of camping. Okay. Such as adventure camping, which I feel might be right up your alley in a way, but in another way now. Um, it's normally a form of minimalist camping at night, and during the day, people partake in a form of adventure racing or mountain biking. Sweet. Which I think I could see you doing the adventure racing or mountain biking, and I might even be able to see you doing the minimalist camping, but I don't see you wanting to do that for very long, because... Why not? You wouldn't have issues with peeing out in the woods or whatever but you like to sleep in a bed i i have slept just like under the stars before it does not bother me as long as there's not a lot of mosquitoes exactly i'm not worried about getting eaten have you ever gone dry camping dry camping which i'm pretty sure you've done this too i don't know um this is camping at a site that doesn't have a reliable pre-existing water source yeah you've done that too so it basically means that the campers have to carry in their own water. You you and I did that on our honeymoon. It was on top of a mountain. Yeah. There was not a water source anywhere nearby on that. They call them Rockies for a reason. Yeah. So you even done that one. Good job. Um there's also Way to be rustic. Backpacking. Which thanks to technological advances and how popular backpacking has become Lighter and more diverse equipment for backpacking has been created. Back in the day, backpacking was really heavy. You were bringing everything. Yeah. At least it felt like it. Um, with this form, campers must carry everything they need with them. Many feel this form of camping has less of an impact on the wilderness environments that they're entering. That's where you get one of those knives that has a fork and spoon attached to it. Have you seen those? Those old Make sure knives? it's not the same one that has the shovel attached for burying your bathroom. No, in. no, 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 no. This is a pocket knife. And on one side, you can flip out a fork. On the other side, you can flip out a spoon. They I do ha- sell those at Walmart. I had an old one and it wore out. It got a really weird patina on it and started tasting weird, so I quit using oh. it. But it was a cool knife. It just Well, the ones at Walmart look pretty cool. Well, I think mine was made with real bone. Oh, I don't it was the ones like, at Walmart are made with real bone. It was bone. like 300 years old, but it was the spoon and fork were plated with something. And no bueno, no good. <laughs> we're going to move right along to bicycle camping. And just like it sounds, this form <laughs> of camping is combined with bike riding. Makes a lot of sense. It's becoming more popular, though, for organizations that'll plan multi-day rides and provide the riders with the places to sleep and luggage transportation so that the bikers can focus on biking during the day and not necessarily having to carry all their equipment with them. Well, it's a lot easier to go faster if you're not dragging a trailer. Yeah, and I'm sure you can go much longer distances if you aren't loaded down with all your gear. Um, Especially if they camp like we do. Could you imagine all the beer in that... Oh my god, it'd be so hard to pedal that bicycle. Uh, I feel that bicycle riding, camping is not for us, that we would become very dehydrated from all the beer we were drinking and not get very far. What if we modified a little and substituted the bicycle for a bicycle with a motor? Well, a motorcycle camping fits into this, actually. 
I'm down with that. Um, it falls under the same category due to the limited space for transporting your gear. You take a tarp and you string it up between the sissy bar and the handlebars and you make a shelter that goes about 45 degrees out from the bike and that's where you sleep. I think I might be able to do that for a night or two. You would not like it. Probably not. The Rockies were pretty rocky. And I said nothing about an air mattress. I know. Um, Car or RV camping is where I think I fit in best. That's because you like to camp in your RV. I do. And that basically means that you're using a vehicle to transport the essentials for your camping experience. You bring a shower and a toilet with you camping now. Well, now I do. Yeah. There's just so much more room. I can bring so much more camping than we used to. You have to. a bedroom with a door. Is it really camping? It's camping. We cook outside. Sometimes. Sometimes we cook on the stove. We're away from home. It's camping. Which leads me into glamping. Glamping. Which equals glamorous camping. Oh. <laughs> um, it has become popular again. The, the phrase glamping, something about it rubs me the wrong way. Well, it basically combines camping with all the luxuries of staying at a hotel. Just the the word, the name glamping. Although, I, I really haven't heard that many great experiences from people I know who have gone to a glamping place. Where would an example of that be? Like on the movie RV, where there's an RV park and they have a pool and stuff? Um, No, I have a couple people I work with who, one for their honeymoon, went... Um, a lot of vineyards offer glamping and such. I see. But for the area we live in, it was very hot and very mosquito-filled, and the that seems legit. toileting areas were kind of nasty, and what? it wasn't as glamorous as they thought it might be. Do you glamp in a tent? Yes. Oh, you don't bring your RV? No. Because we have a toilet, so suck it, <laughs> glampers. Glamping actually goes back to, like, when safari hunting was a big thing. Something's pretty much better about glamping than the RV, though. Um, glamping, you don't normally set it up yourself. It's something right. you go and it's there. And and... That The go part is what I'm talking about. Because somebody else deals with your poop. <laughs> I have to deal with the poop with the RV. That doesn't bother me. I'm glad you deal with the poop. It bothers me now. I want to go glamping with my RV. That way someone can set up the RV and clean out my poo. Mm, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, love. <laughs> um, although I could very much see you doing a reenactment camping. I could see you doing one too, as long as it was in a castle. <laughs> well, medieval times reenactment camping is I a thought thing. Renaissance Festival immediately. Along with the American Civil War is another and popular reenactment camping. We know, we camping. know a family that did that for a really long time and they have the big canvas tent with the wood stove. And, yeah. It, and actually, a uh, side note, uh, one of the camps, you may not bring in anything modern at all. So even if your clothes are modern clothes, uh, the father you of the must family, go in naked. He went in, and some guy stripped down butt naked and walked into the camp until somebody gave him some buckskins or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Better him than me, because <laughs> where they were at, there was a lot of mosquitoes. Ooh. Yeah. Better him than me. 
Because off is a modern invention. <laughs> it is. Yep. <laughs> uh, this leads me into social camping, which, when I think of social camping, it reminds me of my grandparents. I think of the Oregon Trail, how you name your party, and then someone dies of dysentery. <laughs> you shouldn't dysentery then. Oh. Beth made a terrible pun. Wow. At, yeah. It's, wow. Guys. <laughs> you don't realize how big of a landmark this is. Beth I, made a terrible pun, even though she I heard it before. Puns. She does. This is good. Social camping is where camping cl- clubs come it's into you, play. It's where you Facebook camp. The club will plan or organize events so the members can come spend time together or go to a location together. Or even just take over a whole campground and you have a spot that you could even... Circle the wagons. Yeah. And my grandparents belonged to two different camping organizations. And they had badges and pins and all kinds of things. And there were jamborees you went to. That sounds like fun to go to, but I wouldn't want to be part of something that I have an obligation to. Um, I don't feel it's up our lines. I remember camping with them. It was everybody lined their camper up like you were in a Walmart parking lot. So you had your stall and that was about it. And you were in lines upon lines upon lines. No, thank you. Um, then there's also survivalist camping. Dibs. And this usually involves finding the things you need where you are with little to no gear. I like to bring a kniff. You know how to start fires multiple ways without a lighter, matches, or any sort of thing. And sometimes I get called upon to prove that. So we spend... Hours. You have to prepare. You have to get everything ready. It doesn't take long to start a fire, but you have to have everything just Well, when so. we go camping this weekend, let's bring some matches or something. And some dryer lint. I can do that. Dryer lint is a great starter. Um, there is one... Or earplugs. One... F- there really are. What yeah. about your earplugs that have been washed and dried? Still fine. They work great. <laughs> we have a whole collection of those. All sorts of things are great fire starters. Um, the really cheap crayons I saw are great fire starters. They can... Fritos are good star- the, fire starters. The cheap crayons can explode. <laughs> use, use a slightly better than cheap crayon. How but you do can you use know this? Experimentation. They have air pockets in them, and the air will expand before the crayon burns to it, and it'll pop. It'll yeah. just it'll just break. It's not going to hurt you. Um, I've it's never, a crayon. I've never tried Fritos, but I have seen that the, Fritos... The oil burns. Any kind of chip really will burn, unless it's like a baked chip, I suppose. If there was no oil on it, it probably wouldn't. But really, it's just wicking like a candle. That's what it's doing. I still think we should just start a fire and you can use all sorts of things it's i have one last type of camping on my list i want to talk about oh yeah and this one i might need some convincing to ever try now i've seen what if i don't want to try it i've seen things that would go in a form of glamping with this that i'd be willing to try you're are you trying to talk me into it it's winter camping no and it normally equals snow. You're camping in the snow. What if we went to, like, 
is it Norway? Are you thinking about the, the glamping hotel? where they have the? I, I don't even think that's glamping. That's a hotel. Yeah, that's you're a hotel. using you're using a glass cabin. Yeah, I would camp there. Well, then, if that is glamping, <laughs> then so is that underwater hotel where you're in the pond. I would try that one too. Again, you're in a hotel. You're not actually camping. I. I when I was researching, now, if you were staying your this, ass in an igloo, this is more along the lines of like camp, camping on Mount Everest or well, co- cross country skiing and camping. I think, and... I think like even like on the uh, Iditarod and stuff, you know, be doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'm know. not so sure. I'm up for maybe the winter camping. Maybe they don't camp on that one. You sleep on your dog sled and cuddle your pups. Actually, winter camping. Might not be that bad, because snow's a super good insulator. That's what you say, but I can be... But it's made of ice, though! I can be inside a heated house and just have to look outside, and all of a sudden I have goosebumps. It's true, guys. Absolutely. If My feet turn to bricks of ice. If it is 85 degrees in our house, (laughs) this is no exaggeration, 85 degrees inside, but the thermometer outside says, like, 30. Two degrees below freezing... (laughs) She is cold. <laughs> like, somehow she has this magical, innate ability to make her skin temperature lower than the ambient temperature of the room. And it, I, I'll put, like, extra clothing on. Like, I'll layer it up and put blankets on and everything. It's just a psychological thing. She's some sort of, like, zen master. Because she can control her body temperature. She could harness this stuff. She could use it. You know, for the betterment of mankind. But instead, she just wants to get goosebumps and blame it on me. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Or she'll get hot and throw the blankets off and then tell me that I stole the blankets. You do steal the blankets. See, that's what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about. Are you uh, all good with your camping? I'm all good and I'm looking forward to this weekend escaping with our bundles of joy. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to start a fire using feces and a bag full of piss no we aren't cooking with that <laughs> over a fire made of that no i said i'm starting the fire with that you're gross i didn't say it was my feces you gonna collect some from somebody dry poop work better if oh, no if you use cow poop it scares away flies actually well let's go find some buffalo chips how's about we find some cow poop because i'm not touching cow poop dry cow poop you touch dry cow poop. Your mommy's cat poop. <laughs> Dog poop. Yeah, I know. Cat poop is funnier <laughs> to say. Okay. Well, speaking of eating, pizza. I want to talk about pizza, but not cat poop. poop. Pizza. Pizza. No poop. The <sighs> the first documentation of the word pizza was in Gaeta in. 997 AD, and that's like in the middle of the shin part of the boot that is Italy. I was going to tell you it's on the western side. I'm glad you didn't. But no, yeah. The original was most likely a focaccia, which is a flatbread. It's a thick flatbread. Picture it about one inch thick. And it's very similar to pizza dough now, if you think of like a pan crust or a... You know, I'll have you know I started researching this a couple weeks ago. Did you? And I decided the topic was too huge and I didn't want to get into it. Well, I decided that I wanted to cover some of the history and not 
everything about pizza. But um, my inspiration came when I stopped somewhere to put fuel in my car and I saw a sign for pizza. I was like, that looks good. Then I was like, well, what do I know about pizza? That we like to eat it. Well, what I know about pizza and the history of pizza goes a little bit deeper than what I know about pizza. You know, we could make pizza while we're camping this weekend. We could. We could. Um, Now, the focaccia is usually topped with olive oil. Is it focaccia or focaccia? Good question. I don't know. I'm, I'm calling it focaccia because acacia trees. That's probably why. I don't know. I'm calling it focaccia from focaccia bread. That's probably what it is then. Go focaccia yourself. <laughs> um, it can also be topped with vegetables, meats, cheeses, whatever. But Pineapple. The Romans. Loved pineapple? No. <laughs> no, they did not. They didn't even know what a pineapple was. <laughs> but if they did, it would be like that one Adam Sandler movie and you'd have to pick it. <laughs> yeah. Pineapple does not belong on pizza at all. Yes, it does. We're a divided household on that. Romans called it penis facacious. Well, that sounds almost dirty. It does. One letter different from being something else facacious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Real little facacious tonight. And this is where I wrote down LOL. Because <laughs> you knew I would LOL. I knew she would. In the late 18th century, what we think of as modern pizza was born in Naples when the tomato was added to the focaccia yourself (laughs) um now the tomato was a huge innovation in pizza technology because tomato is a member of the nightshade family and for lots and lots of years people thought it was going to kill them it's actually a fruit it is you know how to tell the difference between fruits and vegetables Fruits have seeds, vegetables don't. No, here's a really easy way. Ask Hunter, our oldest son, if he will eat them. If he says yes, they're neither. (laughs) Because they might be good for you. But you're right, yeah. Isn't that crazy? But like, strawberries aren't berries. Bye. (laughs) Yep, you're going to figure that one out yourself too deep of thinking tonight <laughs> so pizza remained pretty much a local favorite until world war ii it didn't really spread outside of uh italy but the allied soldiers that were stationed there developed an affinity for it along with other italian foods thank you for lasagna thank you thank you thank you but you keep spaghetti spaghetti and the meatballs i love it i love the meatballs you just don't like spaghetti noodles. Because I'm a messy slob and I make a freaking pig of myself. Nobody taught you how to eat it properly. No, I, I've watched and I can do it. It's just, why work so hard? Do you know how to use chopsticks? Yeah, I know how to use chopsticks. You don't. I don't. I make a mess of myself and I get frustrated and can't get the food to my face I can enough. eat rice with chopsticks. but Then why can't you eat spaghetti noodles properly? I can eat them properly, but it takes too long when I could... <laughs> When I could much more quickly eat a different type of noodle with the same sauces and shovel it in my face. Yes. Like I shovel pizza. Foods like pizza have existed for nearly as long as bread. It's kind of like a sandwich if you fold it in half. Sandwiches were invented by someone else. We're not talking about sandwiches, though. You just talked about sandwiches. I'm just saying, pizza, if you fold it in half, it's kind of like a sandwich. No. 
Did you see the proper way to eat pizza? Are you supposed to just... Are you supposed to fold it in half and then go nom nom nom? I don't know. Is it... Or nom nom nom? <laughs> you tell me. Uh, uh, listeners, check in on that one. Fork and um, knife. Cut it up. Don't it, actually pick it up. It actually depends on the pizza. I know deep dish pizza, you have to cut that shit. You can't just... Pick it up and bite it. It's a mess. That's the best pizza, in my opinion. I know. It is awesome. I love deep dish pizza more than any other pizza. Not saying anything against other pizzas, because I will murder pretty much any pizza as long as it doesn't have pineapples on it. Hawaiian pizza! (sighs) Now, people have always added things to improve the flavor of the bread. They've thrown... You name it. You name something, and it has been on a pizza, I guarantee it. There's this nasty-ass-looking banana pizza. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love pineapple, but bananas crossing the line. Oh, look at me. Well, maybe if we did a peanut butter banana bacon pizza, I could get my Elvis vibe and maybe do that. Maybe if I hit myself in the head with a brick. Well, I still wouldn't want to eat it. You won't even eat a peanut butter banana sandwich. The ancient Greeks made placus. Placus. It, it sounds like something you scrape off your teeth. Onions, herbs, and garlic. And if I you would had those totally on your teeth, your breath would smell bad and you'd need to brush them. I would totally eat uh, that. Persians made some with cheese and dates. I like dates. In the 6th century. It depends on what kind of That'd cheese like, they used. Well, more than likely, it was the 6th century AD, I believe. Maybe it was BC. It might have been BC. It was the Persian army. It was Darius the first. So, yeah. Think like slightly before 300. So, uh, dates are good. Bacon wrap dates. Most with likely, sh- stuffed with cheese. I would, I would mm. suspect that it might be like a, a nice creamy goat cheese. That'd be good. I would eat that. I would too. It's worth noting that there are flatbread like foods from all over the world, though, like paratha from India and Bing from China. Carasaw from Sardinia and others. Where's Sardinia? Um, it was a Roman province, I believe, towards the Middle East. The idea of putting toppings on a pastry was not exclusive to Italy, though. Um, note also that that Zwiebelkuchen, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, from Germany, it definitely got my attention. It that looked amazing when you showed me the picture. Onion cake, and it looks. Do you think that would be similar awesome. to that bread it, your mom made? The sort of, but it's also kind of like a quiche. I like quiche. Pretty much the same concept. You're taking a pastry and you're throwing toppings on it. That's but what a you're quiche doing. is more of an egg-filled thing. That's it. Could be crustless. That's true, but original quiches, from my research, were were the pastry. They were not a custard. Interesting. I like quiche. Now, that might be wrong in my research because it was just in passing, so don't hold that against me, but I do like custard. Mm. In the 18th century in Naples, yep, we're back in Naples, there was a galette flatbread. And a galette flatbread can either be round or just like freeform. You could just Lob it on there. Just throw that stuff down there and make it look like a bust of Abraham Lincoln. But he wasn't, you know, probably there in the 
1700s. Uh, but it was known as pizza. And it was sold as like a street food. And it was also known as poor people food. Woohoo! Yep. Uh, I have found that if you're going to go cardboard pizza-wise at the grocery store, that I like the cheaper you can get. Tastes better. That's because it's got more preservatives. Preservatives mm, are delicious. Preservatives. Now, for you, on June 11th, 1889, Rafael Esposita created the Pizza Margarita. I love margarita made pizza. Made with tomatoes, mozzarella, and basil. So good. Made in honor of Queen Consort Margarita of Savoy. And I will still share that. the national colors of Italy. That's why it looks and tastes like it is. It's delicious. Now, modern pizza is savory, but not so long ago, it was a sweet. Um, now, I wrote this down and I did not practice it because I wanted to see how it would come out of my mouth after a couple of beers. Ready? La scienza e cucina e l'arte di mangiare bene. That's probably incorrect. A cookbook by Pellegrino Artis was in the early 1300s, and it has three pizza recipes, all sweet. Like dessert pizzas? No, pizza pizzas. And then there was a shift. Really, the the whole concept of the pizza as you know it today came after the soldiers from the Allied forces came back from World War II. That's what made pizza explode, as it is now. That's why you have your Chicago style, your New York style. That's how all these chains formed. Greasier the better, it seems, with some of those chains. Oh, I know. I don't prefer a super greasy pizza. Neither do I. I like I like to not have heartburn. I'm not all about having a big thick crust either. It depends on the pizza. Some pizzas are better suited for a thick crust. Uh, like a margarita pizza, I don't think should have a huge thick. No, that should be a thin cracker crust. Uh, but like something with a lot of hearty stuff on it. If like, you did like meat lovers possibly I could see that. Or even something like an Alfredo sauced pizza because there mm, are those now. With the chicken. Yeah. And the bacon. Oh good stuff. Okay guys. better with bacon. We're getting hungry. Um, we leave the pizza imagining to you now I think. I don't want to talk any more about this tonight. I hope you're hungry now. Beth's hungry. Go I'm make hungry. a pizza while you're camping. Do make a pizza while you're camping. And if you want to get in touch with us, how do they do that, Beth? Um, we have a Facebook and a Twitter page that if you look up Alcaha, you can find us. We also uh, have the Gmail account going. That's alcahagmail.com. And until next time, wait, wait, not until next time. Whatever podcatching service you listen to us on, leave us a rating and a review. We'd really appreciate it. It would help uh, help the algorithms for iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. It doesn't matter which one you listen to us on. Hit us up. Give us a, at least some stars. I don't care if it's one star. Uh, it doesn't matter. If you got something nasty to say, go ahead. We'll read it on the air, and I'll talk smack to you. I don't give a care. Um, also, so you're not worried about it later, you did not get your reference in tonight. Do you want to do that now before we leave? 
I was going to sneak it in in a whisper at the very end. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> I have it written on my hand. <laughs> it was going to be a sneaky, sneaky one. Sorry, didn't mean to ruin That's your okay. surprise. Triple H. <laughs> I'm Beth. I'm Jane. We'll see you next time. Bye.